Welcome back to The Short Game, a show about short video games, games that respect your time. I'm Reagan Kelly, and I'm joined by all my awesome co-hosts this week. First off, Shane Kelly, my bro host. How are you doing, Shane? Pretty good. And Laura Nash? I'm doing excellent. Uh, how was your flight back? Laura was in uh, in San Jose um, hanging out with me playing pinball. I was, and I played most of these games except one that works very, very badly on a flight, which I will talk about. Ooh, Yeah. And uh, Nate Heininger. How are you doing, Nate? Uh, glad to be here. One of my favorite. Uh, what's become a tradition for us. We've been doing this so long that we now have traditions. Uh, I'm so excited to talk about the Apple Design Awards. Yeah, me too. And this week we have a, this time we have a guest on. This is, this is weird in that it's the, it's the second episode in a row where we've had a guest on this show where we so rarely have guests. Because we have so many hosts that mostly they just don't fit. It, it's just... <laughs> it's just but it's, it's amazing to be able to have somebody on who has, uh, you know, some expertise that we don't and can fill in our gaps. And I really appreciate that. So welcome to the show, Mark Bramhill. Hi, uh, it's great to be here. Thank you so much for joining us, Mark. Uh, Mark is, so just to briefly introduce Mark, Mark is the host of a really excellent uh, podcast called Welcome to Macintosh. Um, I've been listening to it since I think probably the second episode. It was, it's a, it's a fantastic, incredibly beautifully produced podcast about Macs or Apple generally and the community around the Apple Macintosh or, you know, developers or Apple users. And, you know, I'm a big Mac nerd and uh, former, uh, former Apple uh, retail guy, so I you know consume those sorts of things voraciously. It's absolutely a fantastic <laughs> podcast. So um, thank you so much for joining us, Mark. Thank you for having me. Glad to be here. Yeah, three of the four of us are uh, former Apple employees, so uh, we all <laughs> spent some time in the hive mind. So uh, this this show. Uh, is it, it's it's fun to um kind of you know just have a episode focused on Apple because it's something that we've all obviously you know spent some time with, but also it tends to highlight some pretty rad games. That's um, true. So it, it works out for all of us. We've covered yeah. the Apple Design Awards before. This is I is this our third one? Yeah, mm-hmm. I think so. Yeah, this is our mm-hmm. third time doing a, an Apple Design Award games specific episode. Um, First time I was a guest. Oh, yeah, that's right. That was before you were quote-unquote official, Laura. <laughs> yes. <laughs> yeah, we're so official here. I wasn't a real girl yet. <laughs> before you came in and saved the show. So this is our third one, and uh, we I thought this, this time, rather than jump straight into talking about the games that won the Apple Design Award, we might spend a couple minutes just here at the to- uh, top talking a little bit about what the Apple Design Awards are and maybe a little bit of the history or even just our history of, of being aware of the Apple Design Awards. I mean, I'm a super longtime Mac user, and I can only guess that the same is is true for Mark. Mark, when did you sort of first become aware of the Apple Design Awards as a thing? Oh, man. I mean, I don't know that I could place a specific year so much, but uh, it's definitely something where every year it was something that I would look out, uh, something that I would be excited to see uh, coming out from WWDC, even though I couldn't go myself than seeing like, oh, this is something that as a user is a really exciting list of kind of what's coming and the best of the best. So that's always just been really exciting. Absolutely. I've been watching them mainly back in the day. I would watch them for the non um, the non game category because the games category was so much of a dead zone. Yeah. (laughs) Um, 
but you know, in the last um, in the last few years, of course, with the with iOS, it's become a much bigger um, much bigger deal, and and now all the all the apps in both categories are for the most part uh, multi platform on uh, well across all of Apple's platforms. So it's it's pretty neat to to be able to check out those productivity tools and things like that as well. Yeah, as someone who does a user experience design, I remember getting really excited when they stopped just giving it to one iPhone app a year. Mm, yeah. <laughs> because that was a really hard thing when you were trying to learn from the best of the best. And then it would be like, and you just get like Twitterific. <laughs> yeah, and you're this like, one's That's cool. Great. I'm not making a tweet bot app. Like, can you help me at all? And I think now that they're giving out, you know, 10 or so per platform, it's really helping. Um, people look at the variety of things available and know that you don't always have to make the same thing. Because, like, hey, it's great to know that, um, you know, flight control HD is the best thing on an iPad when you first get an <laughs> iPad, but you're going to want more than a game. Yeah. I, I remember I first kind of became aware of the Apple Design Awards when I first upgraded my G4 tower. It was one of the sort of gray graphite G4 towers. I loved that machine so much. And I upgraded it to OS 10. You know, we, Shane, you and I went out to a uh, micro center and I was very excited to get the, the, the preview beta of OS 10, right? And I mm -hmm. think that was in 2000 or 2001 i don't or i don't know exactly yeah your memory is a little a little off there reagan uh because it wasn't a beta that was the full release it just felt like a beta <laughs> no, that's, that's so true but they actually did you remember they had that like developer preview or something like that that you could go out and purchase mm -hmm. it was like yeah. a boxed product i think we did that. Uh -huh. and oh, okay and anyway, I remember bringing it home, installing it on that Mac, and then there was absolutely no software for it. And then a few months go by, and uh, I the first time I remember actually learning about something from a from an Apple Design Award was when they gave an Apple Design Award to OmniWeb, which was a revelation because it was a web browser oh God, yeah. that didn't suck that would run on OS ten. It was like it was like fireworks going off. That was, and so I followed the Apple design awards pretty closely ever since. Yeah. Cause I think it shipped with IE. I think we were, we were still using internet Explorer. Yep. Yeah, IE was, was the, the built-in one of the day back then. Yeah. <laughs> that was a dark time. A dark time. How, <laughs> yeah. I, I currently work, you know, in, in tech support, not for Apple, but when someone is still using IE now, we're like, Hey, you think you can download something different? It'll make your life better, not just for our product, but just for yourself moving forward. <laughs> God, try working in meta in medicine or medical uh, software. Oh that's that's really nice that you're able to give people such fun, fundamental life advice. When <laughs> yeah. Well, for me, the design awards are always great because there's like four or five things every year that I'm like, oh yeah, I could have guessed the day it came out that that was going to win one. And then there's a couple ones each time that I'm like, somehow I've missed playing. Like last year, I remember I was like, why? I, Laura Croft Go did not look like a game for me. And I didn't touch it. I, it kept getting written up and I kept avoiding it. It won a design award. It finally pushed me over the barrier. And I think that's true this year. There's a couple on there that I kind of looked at and was like, oh, that seems like a fun, easy puzzle game. I think I got Splitter Kitchen critters for free at a starbucks and like, but i never played it because i was like i this that game does not look good in a still shot for example and a lot of the dino awards don't look great until they're in motion 
And so I'm really glad every year where we do them because I can kind of find new things that I end up getting kind of obsessed with. So in kind of preparation for this episode, I was just sort of looking over the um, – it, it occurred to me that I kind of wondered when Apple started doing games in the Apple Design Awards because they hadn't – you know, I looked over some of the early ones like when I when they were giving that award to OmniWeb and it was not – like there wasn't a games category at all uh, until at least 2004 and even then like there weren't really like games quote unquote they had a entertainment products ah yes 2004 the year apple started caring about games <laughs> <laughs> well um i think what what when i looked this up i, I kind of had to laugh because it was it, it so typifies like what the apple design awards really are all about or at least what they are about for apple Apple has always, I think, kind of the, – the Apple Design Awards are where Apple gives awards to and tries to draw attention to things that are using Apple's newest tech, the the stuff that they want you to adopt as a developer. Um, Next year, it'll all be AR. Right. It'll just know, be oh AR God. kit. There'll yeah. be nothing but AR kit games next year. But like in 2004, uh, the big winner. So there were two games that won uh, like entertainment product awards, uh, Unreal Tournament 2004 and Warcraft 3 The Frozen Throne, undoubtedly both important games. But the one that won above those was Big Bang Chess from Freeverse Software. <laughs> and I Ah, that classic. I know. And like why did Big, ba- Big Bang Chess edge out Unreal Tournament 2004? Well, it's because it incorporated a thousand things that Apple was trying to do at the time. For example, you could it like it was using their new implementation of like I think it was like OpenGL or something like that. Whatever the the graphics thing was at the time. You could invite people to play over iChat. It used the brand new Bonjour networking that had just come out that year. So it was all new stuff, right? And I think that's when you look at what wins the Apple Design Awards, it's a great way to kind of look at what Apple wants people to focus on uh, that year, what new technologies they think are like are hot. You know, what do they want people to be incorporating into their apps and games? Mm-hmm. So with that in mind, then this year, you said AR. I think it's landscape manipulation. <laughs> Almost every game had something to do with manipulating the land that things were walking on. So That's a, that's we'll weird. How, that's, a, that's a theme, yeah. <laughs> we'll see how that hot tech uh, expands in the future. I think it's metal. I think it's Unity. Like, it's doing stuff that doesn't look like Unity in Unity and using metal. Mm-hmm. Like, that's my guess. Yeah. Because this stuff looks a little more handcrafted, and a lot of the stuff is, like, kind of like when I used to design Flash games, and people would be like, don't make it look flashy, which had that, like, fake 3D veneer on top. Mm. Like, there's <laughs> stuff in Unity that looked real fake, and I think they're saying, like, you can make a really pretty game using our proprietary yeah. software. <laughs> it's not all Infinity Blade. It's not all Infinity Blade, <laughs> although that did win a design award. Oh, of yeah. course. Well, it does. It will end forever. I think every year we're going to see some sort of Infinity Blade, um, you know, showcase forever. People got to kill people. <laughs> forever. Um, so I'll say that I kind of panicked because I was like, let's do design awards. And then they weren't on the schedule. And we all had a yeah. minor consternation. Yeah. So, Mark, do you know anything about? So, I wasn't really following Apple News this kind of cycle. Do you know anything about what the? I, but I, I read some vague things about there being a kerfuffle this year about the design awards. Do you know anything about that? Yeah, not. It seems like there was a lot of confusion where people who are more in the know than I am were totally in the dark on were they going to happen at all. Um, and so. 
just the they were totally omitted from the schedule for WWDC. There wasn't like some big event that they normally do that my understanding is generally is skipped by a lot of people. It's not a <laughs> a massively attended ceremony is my my understanding of it. So I can kind of understand why they might change that, but I'm certainly glad that they kept the uh, the awards going, uh, even though they switched it to this uh, new, more private uh, celebration. I think uh, I think they got a chance to have the developers rub shoulders with the uh, some of the Apple bigwigs at this at this more private version of the event, which yeah. I think is probably a nicer nicer reward for those people. So I think it's probably good for the for the event as a whole. One thing that I th- I noticed, and maybe I'm just missing it on the page, was that they didn't have student winners this year. Yeah. Mm-hmm. No yeah. student really? winners. That, that that was something that I was personally bothered by. Um, just like, I, from my understanding, I, I don't know if this is the first year that it's been changed, but uh, there used to be more in the way of distinct categories. I don't know how much within games, but at least within the others, I recall there being usually like, some more division, at least for, like, best student entry or whatever, like, whereas this is, it's just apps, games, and no other distinctions. So yeah, that yeah, seems... I'm certain that you're right. Last year, I'm pretty sure there was a, uh, there was a student category for games. I remember we looked mm-hmm. at one of our, one of our games was one of the student ones. So. Yeah, glancing back over the, like, uh, Wikipedia article that just sort of lists everything, um, they've had student winners, I mean, as far back as I can scroll on here so far. Uh, at least back to 2010. So uh, omitting that is really a bummer, in my opinion, because actually uh, last year we covered all the the games that won and the two student winners were both uh, games and they were pretty decent. And I think that's that's like a big deal for somebody who's just getting started to be recognized really in mm-hmm. any way. Um, but, in a, you know, something like that, I mean, that probably gave them a huge jump start. Kind of a bummer for Apple not to, to, to do that. I'm, I'm sure they have yeah. reasons, but it's kind of a bummer. Just seemed a little weird the year that they spent the beginning of their keynote patting themselves on the back for having really, really young developers and really, really old developers not to give student awards. Mm-hmm. Just throwing that out there. Come on, Apple. Well, if you're interested in um, student developers in the indie scene, listen to our last episode about Ludum Dare, which was all about the game jam scene, which is about as indie as you can get. So. Um, it's definitely out there still. It's just, it's a bummer for Apple not to acknowledge it as much. Yeah. Well, I guess let's move on to talking about the games that Apple did acknowledge with awards this year. Um, so uh, th- yeah, Apple doesn't seem to have like a set, uh, number of things, number of games at least that they, uh, that they acknowledge every year, uh, or at least they haven't in a while. And they don't really seem to have explicit categories anymore, apart from seeming to sort of divide it up between apps and games. Uh, but this year, they recognized five games, and uh, by coincidence, two of them are ones that we've already covered on this show. So we won't be spending a huge amount of time, but we will start by just sort of briefly talking about the two games that won Apple Design Awards this year that we've already covered in one form or other. And those, uh, so starting with those two, those are Severed and Mushroom 11. Yeah, and both of those we actually covered in uh, kind of as ports. So Mushroom 11 we covered when it was on PC, and um, I'm going to let Nate and Shane talk about this one since Reagan and I were solo on that podcast and talked for quite a bit about how cool that game is. (laughs) 
Yeah, well, I mean, I, I only really kind of brushed the surface on that game, but it was a totally unique take on the kind of physics-based platformer where you are a fungus that is growing all over stuff. And rather than moving by just sort of directing your character, you touch to sort of kill off uh, bits of your weird mushroom guy. And he just sort of grows in whatever direction that you're not killing. It's hard to explain, uh, but when you try it, especially on a touchscreen device, uh, it's going to make sense right away. And it's going to be a really weirdly fun an extremely atmospheric experience. I, I yeah, really dig it. Yeah, it um I the thing that stuck it stood out to me a lot when I first played it was that this would be perfect on iPad. Yeah. And mm. it's it was perfect on iPad. It won an Apple Design Award on iPad and it's it's a great it's a great game. It's kind of insane to me that two of the games that won Apple Design Awards are ports from other platforms, which is really unusual. Um, Mushroom Eleven is sort of like it's the perfect port for iPhone and iPad. Like it's it, it playing it on a computer. It just seemed like, wow, this, this needs to be on a touchscreen platform. Like it, it's fine with a mouse. And if that's the way that you can play it, play it there. But like, this is a, it's a, it really seems almost as if it was designed touch first. It just took them a year or maybe more to get around to porting it over to what really seems like it's native platform. Yeah. And I can, I cannot really think of another time where I have felt that. Like, I can't think of any game that I've played on, and this is no knock to iOS or anything, but I can't think of any other game that I've, like, played on my computer with, like, a full mouse and, and you know, keyboard and everything, or even a gamepad, where I'm like, this would be better on a touchscreen. Um, and, yeah, it's like, it felt like it was designed for that. It just feels more intuitive on a touchscreen. Well, I have a question about this game, and I, I know they try to highlight games that are supporting... Um, some sort of Apple-specific technology, what kind of technologies were involved here? I think I saw something about 3D Touch, but I don't even know how that would work in this game. I don't have a device. I don't have a device that can use 3D Touch. Yeah, and I, I, and I haven't uh, played this on <laughs> iOS. I've only played it on PC. Um, I mean, I can certainly imagine the 3D Touch would, you know, would help because maybe, for example, you press harder to If you to stab the mushroom harder, faster? it dies faster. You just die but it. I will yeah. say that just right. being able to multi-touch would make an enormous difference, you know, with, uh, with the, the PC version, you know, you, you have just a single pointer, right? You have a mouse. And so you can only kill parts of your mushroom from one direction at a time. I think if you have that multi-touch ability on the game, then it's, it's going to be actually a lot easier. There's some parts of the game where I was just really frustrated that it didn't, uh, sort of let me multi-touch, so to speak. So yeah, I don't know. I, I don't think this is probably like a, one of those examples like, some of the games we'll talk about later, like Black Box, for example, where it's really using like an a, a, a obvious Apple um, technology that they're trying to push developers to use. But presumably it does use metal. Um, it According to their product page, it supports Game Center, although like... like Game what is, Center? <laughs> uh, yeah, but I mean, it's also got localization and like apparently there's a left-handed mode. I mean... Apple loves it when you throw in extra customization. And yeah. honestly, I do too. So <laughs> I, I'm not a left-handed person. But if I was, like, honestly, if I was, this game would be terrible if you tried doing a touch pan and you were right-handed and and it was, like, only in a left-handed view. So, like, huh. the ability to the interface is actually super important on this game. I mm. don't know how it would work if they didn't. Yeah, that's interesting. So, so it's little things like that that I think when you a design award. 
Yeah. Well, we've got a whole episode on this, uh, and we've got a lot of games to talk about. Yeah. Uh, and not a lot of time. So uh, let's hit the well, other port in this I mean, case. Which... Shane, we have as much time as we want. What we're really worried about is how much time people Listener will attention. continue paying attention. <laughs> <laughs> I mean, thank you for making that distinction. So uh, if you uh, if sure. you have all the time in the world, you can listen to a full hour of us talking about both Mushroom 11 and Severed. Uh, but to give you the brief uh, rundown on Severed, this is another one where it really felt like it belonged on iOS right from the beginning. Um, Severed, if you're not familiar with it, was uh, is originally... So it's by the developers that... Drinkbox Studios that made Guacamelee, which we loved and also did an episode on probably in the first like six months the show was running. Um, but uh, Severed was like hotly anticipated uh, by us like three people in the world who own uh, PlayStation Vitas because it was originally a PlayStation Vita exclusive. And the Vita, for those of you who may not know what it is, and, I mean, that's probably most people at this point because the Vita was such a spectacular, beautiful failure. The Vita is a is sort of the evolution of the PSP. It's a touchscreen device that's about the size of one of the bigger iPhones, but with, you know, game controls. Um, and so what was really interesting about Severed is that it makes heavy use of the touchscreen for the combat, but you're moving around with the game controls, which sounds like it would be a lot of switching back and forth, but it works great because it's got a special sort of combat mode where you're going to be using just one hand on the D-pad to sort of turn left and right, uh, and you're swiping on screen sort of Infinity Blade style to, um, uh, to fight these various demons. It's got a really, really cool art style, that sort of evokes like I don't know. Um, I mean, it's kind of it's other like a cross between like Dia de los Muertos or like a Mayan inspired and, something and neon and dipped in neon. Yeah, yeah, and like synthwave color explosion. It shouldn't work as well as it does, but it, it's, it's amazingly hot. fun. Um, it's a and we talked about crawling. it for an hour. Yes. So you're whole exactly. hour on that one. Moving yeah. on. Yeah, <laughs> so, yeah. but. I, I just have to say, I, this game, if we had done it earlier, I, it would have probably shown up in my, like, 2016 game of the year sort of thing. I I loved this game. It got in my head way more than I expected, and uh, it is the, I think it takes about eight hours to complete. That is the longest game I've ever completed on an iPhone, and, like, sat down and played uh I, I, for one session, I think I played three and a half hours of this game on my iPhone. And I have never played a, a game on my phone for more than like 20 minutes before I'm like, oh, this is Twitter. Let's see what Twitter's doing. You know, so <laughs> yeah. it, it's it's so good. Yeah, this uh, was on our short list for Game of the Year when the last time we did a Game of the Year roundup. Um, and it ended up in sort of fifth place, but only because there were just so many amazing games uh, that that year, uh, but Severed... It, and not all of us had played Severed. <laughs> that's true. It really... Would, uh, I, I think I had it number two on my personal list of, of last year. So it's it's a fantastic game. I played it through on the Vita immediately. Like when it came out on iOS, I downloaded it and played through it. Not entirely. I didn't finish it a second time, but I, I played through it about halfway through all over again right after finishing it on the Vita. So... It's fantastic. Anyway, moving along, if you want to hear more about Severed, we did a whole episode on it. Sorry for talking your ear off about it if you've already heard that episode. Well, uh, I am excited to hear about Black Box because this one comes with a, a bit of a funny story to it. Uh, so, Laura, you were comparing it to Go to 100 or what, up to 100? Progress what was it called? to 100. Prog mm -hmm. Progress to 100, which is a game I have played. And and so this is, this is a game where you are... I'm guessing just sort of solving 
it, a, a series of puzzles. Is that right? But the, 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 the developer of this has a very interesting story. I, I, I want to bring that up before we talk about the game, because I just think this is so such a funny story. When 3D Touch was first brought out, uh, the developer of this, Ryan McLeod, uh, put an app in for App Store Review uh, that used the 3D Touch pressure sensor and some weight calibration by like putting coins on your screen to turn your iPhone into a digital scale. And that was roundly rejected from the App Store because they decided that you should not be using uh, your iPhone to like weigh things in your kitchen which, or, you know, maybe drugs or whatever. I love the drugs. idea of someone measuring Coke on their phone. <laughs> yeah, which it's is drugs. my, which is my favorite app store rejection since, uh, since the game that was rejected because it used the accelerometer to tell how high you threw the phone. <laughs> <laughs> but, but that, that fabulous developer is back. Uh, and what has he brought us this time? He has about? once again tried to stretch the limitations of the iPhone, but not in quite such an illegal way. It's it's something where I remember like when the iPhone was first coming out, uh, the App Store first launched, um, there was lots of talk about like the games that were being made for it. Um, there were a lot that really were uniquely suited for uh, multi-touch. Uh, and there are still lots of games like that, uh, as you were saying, with mushroom 11 then adding multi-touch to it really adds a new dimension to it or whatever like that is something which has been like a really big deal for games and taking advantage of the hardware that iphones and ipads have to offer this feels like the logical conclusion of that sort of taking advantage of apple's hardware (laughs) like it is every single thing that is available on the phone is being used in this game like it is it is everything in the kitchen sink. Like it's using what, like the headphone jack. Rest in peace. Ah. Uh, but is that <laughs> why I couldn't mo- get through the game? <laughs> yeah, <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Uh, it ha- it uses the the headphone control or the volume controls, the mute switch, power buttons, um, the speaker, the microphone, accelerometer, GPS, altimeter, uh, both cameras, the flash, like every Your single thing. Power. You can, yeah. Voltage. Yeah, it's like kind it, of insane. Can, can you give some? So I, I have unfortunately, this is the only game that I have not had a chance to pick up for this, and it, it sounds like it may be the most interesting of all of them. Can you give some examples of like how it is specifically using like you know the, I'll say the controls on your headphone? We say is technically a spoiler for how to solve a puzzle. So if like you really care about it, just buy the game and skip mm-hmm. to the end of the chapter. Oh, marker. and it is it is free within app purchase. So like maybe or just put put this on pause <laughs> and go uh download the game and try like two puzzles and then come back and listen cuz we're not going to spoil any like major stuff, but um yeah. Like a super early one, you have to change the brightness on your screen to pass the level. Right. I only keep my brightness at like max high screen. So. But they'll they won't tell you. <laughs> like they they'll kind of hint at it in some way. Like there'll be some kind of beam or like a you might see like some little lines and you kind of have to guess what that looks like and be like, oh, that looks kind of like a 
this switch on my phone and then you hit it and hope that it does uh, this is the game that I tried to play on an airplane and it and um there's a part where that you have to be do the microphone and so you can make you need to make it like mid-level loud and quiet and I just couldn't get it quiet because it was just like and I hit the hit button because I thought I was doing it wrong and it was like shh and I was like I'm trying god damn it I'm trying and then <laughs> I actually tried to play on the bus it's and I was air. like god so damn much. it the bus is cold and then I tried it in my apartment alone and the air conditioner wasn't quiet enough and I was like Man, Apple, stop making such sensitive mics. I cannot pass this level to save my life. So I eventually taped the mic to bypass the level. <laughs> nice. So that's what this game is. Yeah. Every there- single thing in it is some weird hack like that. And I and there's tons of different puzzles. Um, when I first started using the game, or like when I first tried playing the game, I was kind of shocked that this would be approved by Apple. Like, it feels like it's using things that in such weird, hacky ways that wouldn't be allowed or would be frowned upon. And so in a lot of ways, I was kind of surprised to see this win an ADA just because it's really, like, stretching the limits of things in ways that are totally not intuitive or user discoverable in a way that's obvious which that's the whole game like that's (laughs) it's a whole game built around making things non-obvious and using hardware in unintended ways and just it's it's something which i found to be kind of exciting that apple would embrace such (laughs) non-standard uses of its devices yeah it it made me think a little bit about like we're only what, three years or even maybe two years back when, I think it was more like three or four, uh, when Apple was rejecting camera apps that would let you click the uh, the volume button in order to take a photo. Because, you know, that button is to be used only for volume. And if you're using it for anything else in your app, that's, you know, that's breaking your, your you know, the, the contract of the app store. And then, you know, a couple of years after that, they include that feature in their own app. And then here we are a couple of years years after that, and, you know, that button is becoming a part of a puzzle game. I think I think maybe Apple is using this approval to signal a sort of change in policy without having to explicitly change. They always do that. They always kind of have, like, the App Store approval process is vague and nonspecific, and, you know, you learn about what Apple likes and doesn't like by what it rejects and what it accepts. So yeah. maybe this is just Apple saying, hey, we're okay with you doing these kinds of hacky things now. Yeah, like Supreme Court test cases. It's with uh, App yeah. Store approvals and rejections. <laughs> maybe he ought to resubmit his, uh, his like, uh, drug scale app again. <laughs> maybe it's time. <laughs> I think, yeah, the time is The world come. is ready. <laughs> Honestly, I wonder if there's a puzzle in this. I haven't gotten to one yet. I wonder if there's a puzzle in this game where you have to place a penny on your screen and it weighs it or something. Like, I I wonder if that's in, the, in here. He's obviously got the tech all ready to go. <laughs> How many times do you think he had to submit this? Oh, I wonder. <laughs> oh, yeah. It looks, though, uh, it really, the comparison to progress to 100. Which it's exactly like progress it's, to 100. It's almost exactly like it. Uh, and I will share my favorite puzzle from that. The thing that had me banging my head against the wall was one where, uh, I can't remember what it said on screen, something like, um, like hello. And the solution to the puzzle was to have the game open and receive a phone call, which 
It was yeah. one of the most ingenious uses of this I've ever seen. I, I yeah. The I've, difference uh, between this is Progress Road 100 actually gives you text clues, and this one just kind of shows you some random images and or and hopes and animations and hopes you figure it out. So it's actually beautiful. less accessible than Progress 200. Mm. So <laughs> if I, you could imagine that chain, I'll take a second and just sort of be the be the downer here, which is to say, like I, I think that this is an interesting piece of software, but I don't think it's a good game. Um, now I'm on record as being the kind of puzzle game hater among us, and Laura, you're the puzzle game uh, master, and so I, I would be willing to bet you had a different experience playing this than I did, but. I didn't. I did not like playing it, and I did not find it to be particularly fun or interesting. I find games frustrating that you can solve, but you can't solve them. So I very much enjoyed the puzzles, but unlike Progress to a Hundred, where um, I, we keep comparing to this game that no one's played, but it's, it's a similar style. But this one, basically, again, the fact that I could solve several of the puzzles, but I couldn't drain my battery down to zero, or I couldn't like, or my phone needed to be in low battery mode because I only had eighteen percent, or I was in a crowded area, and it it becomes hard when the you know what to do and you can't progress. Yeah, I can I can say like. My iPhone has the issue with its battery where once it gets to 7%, it just shuts off. So getting it, getting it down to the bottom is not something that's solvable on my phone. So that's just one that has gone unchecked. Uh, yeah. There are others, you know how to solve yeah. it. That's the yeah, thing. Yeah, I know how to solve but it. you can't pause the puzzle. Yeah. And then there's one where I think it's based on like, uh, uh, based on like traveling different distances between opening the app. Mm. Um, and it's one mm-hmm. where it's just like, well, like, I, I, there's only like you can't solve that without like going some really long distance of like I don't know how many miles it is exactly, but I've not done that in the times that I've remembered to actually use it. So it's just like yeah. this is it's something that it's nice that it doesn't require you to solve them linearly for mm-hmm. sure, but it's frustrating that once you have figured out the solution that you can't actually check it off it's like uh then it just becomes a oh i guess i have to go drive 100 miles or whatever like that's 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 a frustrating thing to realize that like if you're like me and that sort of thing starts to bug you then that's like very difficult to to deal with yeah it's not a puzzle it's just hey, hey do it's this just thing. houston traffic <laughs> yeah. mm-hmm. god shoot me <laughs> pay, pay 99 cents to skip the puzzle that involves you sitting in Houston traffic. <laughs> that was actually one other thing that kind of bugged me about the game. And I mean, I understand this is a reality of the app store. Uh, but like, y- y- this was the only I think the only game on the list this year that is free with an app purchase. It doesn't have the most abusive free with an app purchase model or anything. There's no, I mean, there probably are timer puzzles in here. I, I assume because there's every type of puzzle in here, but there, it wasn't like, you know, buy gems, etc. But it does have a pay coins that you have to buy with real money uh, to unlock hints. So if you are the sort of completionist who wants to 100% this game and you don't like um, and, and you, and you are the sort of person who also doesn't mind receiving hints, uh, cause it only gives you hints. If you pay coins, you have to actually purchase those coins with real money. I, I just, something about that rubbed me the wrong way. I, I would rather, uh, have paid two or $5 or something for a game than to, you know, to, to have a game ask me for money midway through. It just bothers me. Mm-hmm. 
As an obsessive completionist with money to burn, um, I love it. <laughs> <laughs> I I think I, I agree. I, I like the model of just you pay a flat price and you get the whole game. But That's um, why we're old. Yeah. But, you know, it it's the <laughs> reality of the Modern games store. are not like this. Yeah. No, I, I think it's... It can be frustrating if it's not presented well. I, I do like, though, that uh, for a puzzle game where it's, I think, like, maybe it's probably about half of the puzzles are available for free for anyone to play. Mm-hmm. And then what most people will end up spending money on, rather than hints, would be unlocking the last of the puzzles. Mm-hmm. Um, where I know, personally, I really like puzzle games. And this was something where, even though there were things where it's like, I could, there are the frustrations of, I know the answer to this, I know the solution, but I can't solve it. I still found it fun and wanted to keep playing. And so I downloaded it on a whim uh, back when it came out and just quickly found that it's like, okay, this is great. Uh, I totally want to spend more money to extend this further. So I think it's good that you can have the full game um, for essentially like four or $5 or something for mm-hmm. um, all the different packs. Um, but, and then the hints sort of thing. I think even that there's a cert, a finite number of puzzles and each one of those has, I think, is it one or three hints for it's, I'm not I forget, sure. I think it's, I forget how many hints, I think it might just be one per puzzle. I only ever use the one screen, per puzzle. I think then some of the screens have, uh, multiple puzzles on them. So I'm, I, I'm, it's been a little while since I played it. So, yeah. Mm-hmm. um, yeah. I mean, you know, don't get me wrong. I I paid ten dollars for Mario Run. <laughs> you know, so <laughs> uh, I don't have a problem with paying more for a game. I, uh, you know, it the the amount of time and development that goes into them. To me, it's the approach. And like Mario Run, I liked it because they were like, "Hey, we're telling you right up front here these maps are for free. If you want to keep playing, it's going to cost this amount." And yeah. I was able to play those things for free, and I was like, "Sure, ten bucks." You know. I will pay ten dollars for Mario. It's normally sixty dollars for Mario, <laughs> you know. Mm. So I'll uh, I'll pay it. I, so that approach is cool for me, and I'm fine paying for games. I just want you to be, um, you know, upfront about the costs. So I think part mm. of the reason that this didn't quite work for me is that, like, while I I really do like things that play with, you know, your iPhone in a novel and interesting way by using sensors and using you know location and other things like that i like that but i need something a little bit more to hang that interest on so i remember for a while for example we did um device six on the show you remember ages back i don't remember Mm -hmm. what episode that would have been but uh, we talked about device six another game i think that won an apple design award um yes i think that's correct and uh, and and their other game leap year same um yeah, from um, is that right? From not uh, leap year, no year leap one. year was nope. different. Um, you're Hold thinking on. of um, Beat Year Walk. Bandit? Year Walk. Year Walk. Yeah, I knew from it had Samogo. A year in it. Yep. Um, so they similarly played with your device. You know, trying to sort of remind you of the device that you're holding in your hand, and sort of breaking the fourth wall or whatever the equivalent is when it comes to screens. And that was really effective, but. For me, it was effective because it had a story that it was hanging that stuff on. You know, it kind of merged those puzzle mechanics with something a little more to draw you from puzzle to puzzle. Um, I think there's definitely going to be a lot of people for whom this is going to be absolutely perfect because it's, you know, each puzzle is so self-contained. And if it doesn't make sense to you immediately, you can skip on and do another one in any order, which something with a narrative can't really easily do. Um, 
but for me at least, the total abstract nature of this, the sort of frustration that I had with some of the puzzles, I'm not a puzzle guy, so I'm probably not the best person to ask. It just, it didn't quite work mm. for me. But I totally see this as a very polished app. And if you are the kind of person who likes these sort of minimalist puzzles that do clever and interesting things on your iPhone, this is very clever and interesting. Definitely check it out. Yeah, we'll just try it. It's free. So the next game we want to talk about is Splitter Critters, which was delightful and a game that I was immediately uh, into. This one's from the people that made uh, Dark Echo, which is that game where you're it's sort of like you're using echolocation to explore around in, uh, and uh, it's run from some sort of monster, but you're blind. That's mm-hmm. a, that was a pretty neat game. Yeah, and this is unlike that at all. <laughs> it is uh, it's very cute. Um, the best thing I can think of is it's kind of like Lemmings in that you have a, a little group of things that you're trying to get from one point in the map to another. But Lemmings was actually one of my favorite games on my first Me map. too, actually. <laughs> Just the other day I was asking, I was trying to see if anyone... If there's like a modern Lemmings game out there, and I couldn't really find anything, uh, but this game actually gave me some vibes of Lemmings. You you have a a set of little creatures that auto walk left to right on the map, and it is your goal to get them from where they started into a spaceship. And unlike Lemmings, they don't actually have any individual skills. You're not applying skills to them. They're Instead, very dumb. Yeah, they're very dumb. They just walk left or right. Some of them may be able to jump. Some of them might be able to tackle enemies. But for the most part, they're just walking, you know, till they hit a wall and they turn around. And instead of, uh, like Lemmings, assigning skills to the individual creatures, you're using your finger to cut a slice in the landscape and readjust the, the land to allow their path to walk them, you know, to the spaceship that they're trying to get to. So sort of like uh, Monument Valley or uh, Old Man's Journey, which we'll talk about in a little bit, you're kind of messing with perspective here. So, um, you know, a really simple one would be you have these guys and there's a ledge, you know, that's three or four times taller than them in front of them. You would use your finger and cut a slice between where the ed the ledge ends and the land that they're walking on and then you can use your finger to drag one half of the the slice down to where the ledge now lines up perfectly with their path and now they're walking on the ledge and you can actually undo that slice and it takes it right back to the land as it was before and and that's a really simple version of it because you can have up to three slices at a time all independently moving and you're basically trying to get these guys to their uh, to their spaceship and it's interesting it's it's very cute the the sound is great and it to me it was the just the right amount of difficulty for a casual puzzle game uh, yeah nothing is nothing is too difficult but at the same time um, you know nothing it, it's not often like super easy 
it has the it has a, a great scale to it. Yeah, I I think the puzzles here are like first of all it's a very short game. Like I played it um I didn't complete it, but I'm pretty sure I played two thirds of it in about an hour. Um the puzzles are fast. Uh, so no one of them takes very long to complete. This is sort of my speed of puzzle game, you know, puzzle games for, for babies like Reagan. And um, it's super fun and super cute. And I I have to say that the, like, ripping and sliding the uh, the landscape mechanic is, like, it's absolutely unlike anything that I've ever seen before. And it's extremely well executed. Like, it, everything just works as naturally as you would expect that it should you know when you tear uh tear the landscape in half and kind of slide it along that tear um you know everything just interacts in a very natural way you know if you bring one ledge closer to another ledge then your little animal alien splitter critters will be able to jump straight from one to the other in a very natural uh way i didn't run into any kind of like weird it's the sort of thing where you'd expect there would be the lot, the possibility of like weird physics problems or weird little moments where things get caught up on corners or edges, but that never really seemed to happen. It's just if you do really... weird physics, it's super memorable, though. <laughs> yeah, it's it's a game that I'm pretty sure there's a hundred different solutions to uh, some of the trickier puzzles because I guarantee some of my solutions were not the most effective way to do it. I'd have like three cuts where I end up having these guys out on this like weird little floating island of land that I trapped them on to be able to hold them there to get them to a different platform. And it's like, there was probably a, a, like a three cut move I could have done, which actually makes me, um, when I was playing part of me wishes it had a, I don't know, like a, a par system, you know, to say Mm -hmm. like, Oh yeah, to it tell doesn't you have you're scoring, doing well. as far as I can tell. Yeah, like this could be done in four slices. Can you do it? Uh, I would have really enjoyed that as a as like the gamer in me, but for the like casual gamer in me, I loved that it didn't exist because it there's no punishing of you know if you have to slice it ten or fifteen times to figure it out, it's fine. You'll get there. It's not too difficult, but. Sometimes it can be a little confusing. It's so polished. It's it's. I think it's the sort of thing where you're probably going to see this add more levels or something in the future because it and maybe do some in-app purchases or something because it's it's so polished. But it is such a very short experience, and I don't usually say that as a bad thing. I mean, I think it's nice to be able to. Uh, that is the concept of our show, precisely. I know, but like it is. It is. I think. It's certainly under 100 levels. I think it's like 50 or 60, something like that. And I'm currently at like 48, and it I, it took me about an hour and a half to get to those 48. Yeah, each individual level might take – I mean, some of the more complicated ones, I'm sure, get to be a little bit more uh, difficult. But I never took more than about a minute or two on any, any one level. Yeah. It's super delightful, and I think that um, – I mean, I hope it does the Badlands model where they just release – world after world after world. I mean, it's already kind of made in a way that you can go from planet to planet. So it's kind of designed in a way that you can tack on more stuff later. Um, But there was a quote that I read when I was doing a little bit of reading for the show that um, when it came out at PAX, the conversation around it was like, oh, this game's going to fail miserably or it's going to win a design award. (laughs) And I'm so glad it won the design award because it's really... 
I never would have seen it otherwise. I mean, it, as I said, it has the look of something that could go either way. It could be just another puzzle game that's shovelware, or it could be a fantastic game. It's hard to tell when a good art style is in there, like if it's a game for children or this is game is for kind of all ages and probably yeah. one of the only ones here that are all ages. Yeah. Maybe, maybe it's because it just also involves like little circular creatures, but it felt to me kind of like the Leo's fortune of this year. Mm hmm. You know, yeah. just like a really crisp, good use of the mechanics. It, it works perfectly on a touchscreen. Um, it's fun. It's not too intimidating. Um, it, I think it hits what you guys were talking about before that, uh, you know, you can make nice looking games on the iPhone that aren't necessarily like 3D render. Like this is just a pretty, you know, unique designed game and i'm i'm i think it it stood out to me uh you know more than some of the other games that we've done even as much as i love severed and as much as i um like old man's journey like this this has that simplicity that you need i think to really make a truly accessible iphone game So the last game on the Apple Design Awards list this year was Old Man's Journey, and that's the only one on the list here that I haven't played at all. But it also seems to be the one that most people were talking about when I saw people reacting to the Apple Design Awards on Twitter. Um, who's had a chance to kind of dig into Old Man's Journey a little bit? I, I have. have. Oh, what a great game. <laughs> we both, yeah. I mean, there's a reason we both were like, we've talked about it. Um I mean, I if it didn't win a design award, I was going to make everyone cover it anyway. Um, so I'm glad it won a design award. Old Man's Journey is a game that when I looked at the art, I was like, oh, they've made a game for me. Um, I love animation concept art. I dragged Reagan to the uh, Walt Disney Museum and made him like go see a special exhibition of a guy who's just does background painting. And then I opened this app and was like, ah, it's my Pixar movie on the phone. <laughs> This that was wonderful. great, by the way. Thank you for dragging me to that, Laura. It was awesome. Shout out to uh, Eve and Earl. Um, but the Old Man's Journey game is a kind of wordless, beautiful art uh, style game that tells a beautiful story. It's very light on the game. I mean, you, it's landscape manipulation again, uh, but it's really light and lovely. I would. I'd like to say that I. We're, I'm always looking at games on these lists through the kind of uh, what does Apple love about this lens, and it, it's not. Uh, apart from just being a gorgeous game, it wasn't super obvious to me right away. I mean, I guess it's under the hood, probably using their metal APIs and stuff very well, but it's not like using Game Center or anything like that. It's it's a very simple, quiet game of of the sort that we really have tended to enjoy on this show. These sort of games that have uh, quiet um, tender moments that you know where your your character sits on a hillside for a while I'm, I'm reminded of uh, Brothers A Tale of Two Sons we are a very tender podcast we yeah, love <laughs> whenever a character sits on a bed and listens to music or sits on yeah. a bench and waits for a room to come like I'm also increasingly getting old so I relate um, <laughs> but the, the, this game 
you mentioned the art style. To me, the art style is reminiscent of these sort of hand-painted travel postcards. Every scene is just a beautiful location that you want to just sort of fall into. And um, the, you're navigating through by, uh, once again, moving the terrain a little bit. You can grab a hill or something and drag it up or down. And it keeps it pretty simple. I mean, even throughout, uh, they introduce some things that complicate it. Like maybe he has you have to move some sheep out of the old man's way uh, or what have you. Uh, but the the thing that I liked the most about it was how alive all the scenery was. There was pl- like lots of things. It reminded me of like a children's busy book, you know, where they have all the little flaps that you can open. The technical term for that, no joke, is a click and wiggle. A cl- okay. <laughs> yes, and you're, you have made that children's apps. no joke, so. the technical <laughs> terminology for a thing you tap on in the background that animates with a delightful noise or sound effect or animation. Well, it's a click and- it that does no effect now. on the storyline. This line. game is packed with click and wiggles. <laughs> oh, they're wonderful. Laura is and, bringing um, that... Uh, that uh, children's app developer knowledge on the short game well yeah was that children specific or was that just like video game or like any it's the dis- terminology and animation for a thing in the background i don't know if real game like i don't know if adult games use it but in in <laughs> like i don't know the if they have a lot of uh, like... click and wiggles in overwatch yeah <laughs> i i would argue probably a lot of co- what what is it when something is just destructible for no purpose? That that feels like a click and a wiggle. Shoot and wiggle. Yeah. <laughs> but That's I was going to say about this fire. game, like I, I well, the thing that really stood out to me is an Apple esque thing is the memories that you unlock. They have that same oh. feel of those Apple Live photos to me. Mm. Uh, there's this sort of movement and depth that's added to these uh, otherwise static images. And it's through that that a lot of the story of the game is told. I don't. I don't really want to spoil anything for anybody because that's. I think half the reason to play this game is this is this uh, story in which this old man at the start of the game receives this letter at his home that you know concerns him greatly, and he sets off walking to uh, um, visit someone or do something, and and uh, along the way he just he's gets a letter and leaves. He's yeah. he's reliving uh, his memories of his of his past. So, uh, I, I, this one has my wholehearted recommendation, um, with, with no, no caveats at all. I think almost anyone, uh, you could put this game in front of them and they'll enjoy it. Awesome. It's peaceful. Like I played this before bed. I played it when I wanted to wind down. Um, the memories are actually done by a different artist from the main app that's working Mm. the same style. So they're a little bit richer. They feel a little different, which works beautifully. Um, you can see that they don't mind being silly, but they also are kind of in the game of doing something uh, that's a little more heartfelt. So before we wrap up, I thought just just glancing at it, I thought it might be uh, worthwhile if anybody has any experience with any of the non-game apps that won uh, Apple Design Awards this year. Um, you know, there was a time where I spent a lot of effort and time like checking out every single thing that would win an Apple Design Award, whether it seemed like it was marketed towards me or not. And this year, I think, is the first year that I have used zero of the things on the list, which makes me feel mm. a bit out of touch. Mark, I think you have uh, you have tried out Bear, is that right? I saw you tweeting about it a little bit. Yeah. Um, so Bear, uh, I actually am looking at that now. It's I really like it. Um, it's ultimately, uh, I'll say, not the right note app for me. Um, 
Notes.app has just gotten so good oh, over yeah. the years that I Respect. it's a really high bar. Um, now, I will say if you are like a programmer or developer or you work in Markdown, then some of like the syntax highlighting or um, just the fact that it can do Markdown support and really nice exports, it is really nice. Um, and it's beautifully designed. It's slick and feels faster than the Apple Notes app. Um, so I would say like there's a lot of things that uh, I find really attractive about it and are really enticing. Um, the biggest thing that, uh, for me at least, and I think for a lot of users, um, would be the tagging feature where with like a hashtag and sub tags, you can organize things where you can have something that's in multiple uh, sorted into multiple areas rather than just having uh, sorted into folders, which is not really how most of my notes work. They're usually applicable to some number of things. So that's it's definitely something where, as bad as I feel, I would not mind Apple stealing that feature for their notes app. <laughs> oh, yeah, absolutely. <laughs> but no, it's, well, it's something where for people who it makes sense for, I think it's a fantastic app and they really did a great job uh, with it. But just it's not it's it's one of those things where the, enough people need notes apps that it's a market that can support niche apps like this but i don't think it's really the thing for everyone it is at least nice that they have both an ios and mac version and uh, i've i've used a few notes apps that had very good design and very good uh you know, just feature set and no syncing or bad syncing. And that's really what's yeah. caused me to switch back to the Apple uh, Notes app is they've really nailed the syncing now. Um, I do all yeah. of my show notes in just the Apple Notes app. I can pull up a bunch of uh, tabs for different games and things like that and use a little share extension, add them over to notes, and then I can just go right back to them later and start putting yeah. them the show notes in our uh, CMS. So, um, but I do write the show notes for this show in Markdown, so maybe I'll try try bear out. Yeah, it's um, worth trying. It's it's uh, free to try. Uh, where the syncing is what you pay for, uh, mm-hmm. and I will say I, I'm currently using like a one month free trial of that and just sticking with it to see if there's anything that I find invaluable. But I'm probably going to be switching back. But I will say that the syncing engine they have built is rock solid and lightning fast, like faster and works better in the background than the sync for Apple's notes, which is mm. pretty good, but occasionally I'll find all of all when I really do care about it syncing instantly is the few times that it won't. Mm-hmm. Um, but bear has been bef- like already full thing loaded before I can open the app on whichever respective platform. So I've been really impressed by it, but anybody else try any of these other apps? Well, I have uh, used, not used uh, Things 3, but I have used Things uh, before in their previous versions. Uh, so I won't comment on Things 3, which looks great, but I will just say I think uh, I am 100% behind any developer that is bold enough to uh, put this much effort into a uh, to-do list app and to boldly charge $50 up front for such an app, <sighs> Wow, which is... Yeah. Um, I, you know, I, I think if, if you can build a healthy business on top of a $50 to do app, uh, then I am extremely impressed with you. Hey man, you only have to sell, you know, you have to sell what, uh, one in every like 15 people have to buy it and you make as much as if all 15 of those people had actually paid. 
you know, the uh, $3 that a normal app would cost. So <laughs> you just got to really hit your market, that niche that you're looking for. It's funny. Like, I feel totally okay paying $10 for a game on my phone. And I know that's probably unusual because a lot of folks, you know, if it's not freemium, then they're not going to download it. Uh, you just spent about a third of this episode complaining about a free game i know I know, I know Reagan. i know so but i am saying like I, I i don't mind spending money on games but the idea of spending 50 dollars on a on a to-do list app does seem a bridge too far for me but then again i don't know it's like you know sometimes for, for it's i'm sure it's professional software for folks who are project managers or something like that and if that's the case yep. it's probably completely worth it my freelance peep friends are like all over this app like they've all been singing its praises since it came out so anyone who is um kind of trying to do work but also get other people to pay them for it that's kind of who i see things three for like the kind of one-man shop i mean honestly some of these other indie game studios are probably using stuff like this to run studio yeah i i use omnifocus for my stuff but uh that was at the time that i was paying for the software that was definitely felt like it was a step ahead of things but with things three, I could totally see myself if I were looking to buy something now, that might be what I would be looking at. Uh, it looks really, really slick. I did look at uh, like some videos about the the big the biggest thing that looked really cool was like their magic uh, magic plus button that they've got oh, floating it's around. So good. Like, doesn't that look awesome? <laughs> uh, so it's, it lets you take yeah. the the add button in the corner, and you can actually move it anywhere in the app, and it will add new items conditionally based on where you've placed it so it, it will change the behavior of the add button depending on where you stick it yeah like drag and drop essentially where if you're in like a if there is a set of lists you can drag it and it'll add it to whatever position in like a multi-step project um, for a new item rather than just add a new item to my inbox and then you have to sort that and things where it's like that is kind of an amazing feature and it is super slick in how they implemented it. So I was really I tried to get my office that. to reimburse me for that because I have to build this very lightweight tasks piece into the software I'm doing. And they were like, if you think we're building things three, you have got to be kidding. <laughs> <laughs> Dang. <laughs> now, and, I, fair, and they were like, not for your personal account. Sorry. We see um, you. Good try. Yeah. Uh, Good try, and Lord. to be fair, I just, I just looked it up. Um, it's fifty bucks for Mac, which feels a little bit better. It is the it's ten dollars for iPhone and oh, watch, okay. that's, and then that's more reasonable. and then twenty dollars for iPad. So, mm-hmm. uh, with that being said, I I feel a lot better about it. A fifty dollar iPhone app will never feel great, but a ten dollar <laughs> iPhone app again. I paid ten dollars for Mario Run. I can pay ten dollars for maybe a really good. Uh, to-do list so Mm -hmm. yeah and quick shout out to elk which is a currency converter and i know that doesn't sound very exciting there's a it's like a weather app like who gives an award to the weather app um or a calculator like it's kind of seems like a my first app but they paid five bucks for my weather app oh very (laughs) nice i mean i technically paid three for mine because i use dark sky oh Um, okay that's what i have maybe it was only three but yeah I'll pay for good design. I'm ready to pay for good design all day. I mean, Elk's got an interesting model. It's free, but if you want to unlock all of the currencies, it's $4. You can play with it and see if you want to use it beforehand. Um, I hope someday my life is that. I need to constantly be converting my money. Um, (laughs) (laughs) As it stands, I have literally never had to have that (laughs) problem. It's got a cool Apple Watch app. 
Like, yeah. you can spin it. I go to Canada sometimes. <laughs> yeah, you go to Canada sometimes, and you're like, oh, man, that, like, little bit more expensive dollars just throwing my brain. <laughs> yeah, or they're like, yeah, we'll take your, your dollars fine. I'm like, sweet. I don't know. You do, <laughs> you do the conversion. <laughs> I or I've also uh, I I use uh, Airmail uh, three on Mac and iPhone and iPad. So that one I've been using for like six months now. So that's the of all the winners, that's the only one that I use regularly. Um, and I'm super impressed by it. It has really good. Uh, integrations with lots of third-party apps and services. Um, and so that being able to share things with uh, my calendar app, uh, my like with deliveries or things like that, um, lots of custom extensions there has been super, super helpful. Um, and th- I and Apple supposedly improving search in uh, their mail apps, but Knock on I wood. will... I will believe it when I see it. Search mm-hmm. in airmail is actually good. So <laughs> that's uh Oh my gosh. That is yeah. an endorsement in and of itself. <laughs> I'm I just pulled out my phone to look for uh for airmail. Yeah, so. Sold. Yeah. <laughs> so I'm glad we continued our tradition of talking about the apple design awards uh, again i hope that if folks uh you know check out any of those games all of them on the list were fun uh if you want more details about severed or about uh mushroom 11 i'll have links in the show notes of this episode back to the episodes where we did an entire hour uh talking about all the cool details and some spoilers from those games so if you're uh, if you're curious and want to know more uh, or if you've played them and really enjoyed them go check those out And thank you so much for joining us on uh, this episode of The Short Game. You can find our show on the web at www.theshortgame.net, where we have a contact form, and we love to hear from you. If you have a favorite iOS game or something like that that you think we should check out for the show, let us know. We we play lots of listener suggestions, so we really appreciate getting those suggestions from you. Uh, If you like the show— I'd like to jump in and suggest Card Thief, which was robbed at the ADAs. Oh, Card (laughs) Thief rules. Which is why Shane wasn't on— more of the discussions about the ADAs because yes, he was playing Card Thief instead. Keep it quiet. We might talk about that one on the next show. Shane was pacing back and forth outside the uh, the ADA award ceremony, just screaming. He had a sign everything about Card Thief. Where's was... Card Thief? <laughs> it was it was embarrassing. I wish he wouldn't have worn that short game T-shirt when he was doing it. But, uh... <laughs> well, I can't wait to check that one out, Shane. And if you, listener, have a, a suggestion, let us know on the contact form. But if you just want to support the show, the best way to do that at present is just to leave us a review on iTunes. We all, we really appreciate iTunes reviews. They apparently do make a difference. It's very arcane. iTunes has its own way of doing things, but apparently, if you leave us reviews, positive five-star reviews on iTunes... At some point, we get to cash those in for some sort of money prize. Praise (laughs) and money will just rain down on us from the heavens, we assume, so please do that. And there's a link to that on our website, too. You can also find us on Twitter, at underscore short game. Um, You can find me on Twitter, at Reagan K, that's R-A-Y-G-A-N K. Uh, Laura, where can people find you? You can find me on Twitter at Laura J. Nash. And Shane, where can people find you? Also on Twitter at 8BitShane. And Nate, where can people find you? You guessed it. Twitter at NateSTL. And of course, 
Mark, thank you so much for joining us on this episode. Um, Mark, obviously, people can find your podcast, Welcome to Macintosh, on iTunes and wherever uh, podcasts are available, or at macintosh.fm, which is a rad domain name. I don't know how you managed to <laughs> snag that one. Uh, but anything else you want to plug, or where can people find you, Mark? Uh, Twitter is great, at MC Bramhill. So uh, it was a pleasure to be on with you guys. Really enjoyed it. Thanks very much. Yeah, and I'll particularly recommend if you want to check out Mark's podcast, which is great. Every episode of it is fun. But um, And you've got a new season coming pretty soon, right? Yes, yes. Uh, coming later uh, in August, there will be uh, 10 brand new episodes coming. So uh, get excited about all of those. So uh, starting in August, 10 brand new episodes. I'm super excited about that especially uh, a series about emoji uh so stay tuned oh that's really <laughs> oh, exciting. the uh, emoji compendium or consortium yeah the uh, unicode lo- consortium yeah i, I have love been- lovely that- yeah i love that they call themselves the consortium it's just, <laughs> it does it's sound a little this, like, ominous right? i imagine this like dark like league of people who you know manage our day-to-day emojis it's yeah emojis. the shadowy cabal of emoji <laughs> <Yeah>. lords <laughs> well i'm really excited to hear you say that because actually my my favorite episode of your show you've had a lot of really great topics uh but the the most recent one in the feed if folks are looking at uh, welcome to macintosh was a sort of extra episode in between seasons about emoji con and it's just full of, of like of what of like amazing <laughs> stories so i that's that was a great episode. If you want a place to start with Welcome to Macintosh, that would be a great place to start. All right. All right. Sounds good. So thanks again and join us next week on another episode of the Short Game. <laughs>